Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. Philadelphia Church of God Pastor General Gerald Flurry recently spoke at the grand opening of the Armstrong Institute of Biblical Archaeology in Jerusalem. It was a stellar, epic occasion. He delivered a short speech, as well as Professor Uzi Liebner, who just led a dig in Jerusalem that was assisted by Herbert W. Armstrong College students from right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Both of them gave speeches for about 20 minutes, and then our Let the Stones Speak magazine subscribers, as well as very many distinguished journalists and archaeologists, chatted for several hours after those speeches. It really was an outstanding event, just very exciting to continue a very long legacy of God's work being involved in Jerusalem. And of course, we are continuing a legacy that was started by one man. Herbert W. Armstrong, during the 20th century, once visited Jerusalem 50 times in a four-year span. He became known as the unofficial ambassador for world peace. He visited the leaders of Spain, the Philippines, India, Indonesia, Thailand, Nepal, Sri Lanka, Lebanon, Bangladesh, South Africa, Kenya, and Chile. And he talked with ambassadors from dozens more countries as well. The interesting thing about all this is that he never invited himself to these countries. These leaders held events and banquets in his honor. He would be the keynote speaker. Somehow, all of these world leaders really cared about what Mr. Armstrong had to say about world peace. These leaders desired world peace, but they couldn't figure out how to achieve it. And they knew that Mr. Armstrong had a unique, special message. Now, of all the places Mr. Armstrong went, of all the leaders that he visited, really his relationship was strongest with the little nation called Israel. He visited every president and prime minister over about a decade straight. Every, every time there was an election and a new leader in charge, he would go visit them as well. He was very close to the mayor of Jerusalem, Teddy Kollek. They could be seen walking arm in arm through Jerusalem. Here is what Mr. Armstrong said about Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city God chose over all places on earth, the city soon to become the capital of the whole world, when finally we shall have world peace. You see, that's the connection between 
God's work and world peace. God's work is going to be involved in bringing world peace. Jerusalem, the little nation of Israel, which should be called Judah, will be at the center of world peace, the headquarters of the entire world under the rule of Jesus Christ. So because God highly values Jerusalem, because God has chosen Jerusalem, Mr. Armstrong loved Jerusalem. And like I said, he went there all the time. He was involved in archaeology there. He was involved in helping children there as well. That's perhaps a lesser known objective of his foundation and his philanthropic works in Jerusalem. But he fulfilled Malachi 4 verse 6, which says, And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So Mr. Armstrong supported a cultural center for youth in Jerusalem. He funded the building of a playground in one of the major parks in Jerusalem. He wanted to see children of all backgrounds and races and religions getting along. He wanted children from the youngest age to learn how to have peace. And it really does start young. Children do not naturally hate other people. Sadly, that is so often taught. I was in Jerusalem on that trip. I got to be at the grand opening of the Armstrong Institute. And the thing is, we drove through East Jerusalem one day. All those Muslim children were just out of school for the day. And they were walking, they were talking, they were laughing and playing on the sidewalk. And they looked like they truly were happy. Children know how to get along with each other better than adults do so much of the time. Now, the problem in Jerusalem is that it's an extremely divided area. There's a clash of religion, a lot of controversy over who should control the land. And the sad fact is that the Muslim population does teach their children from a very young age to dislike the Jews. That is just generally true. And probably in some ways, the Jewish population teaches their children to dislike the Muslims. I mean, there is a lot of blame to go around there. But what if these children were taught the way of peace? What if there was a place they could come together and enjoy peace? Mr. Armstrong was passionate about supporting initiatives that would cause peace among the children of Jerusalem, bringing these children together to laugh and play and enjoy life together, regardless of their differences. What a beautiful humanitarian effort in the holy city.
Mr. Armstrong had a very close relationship with Professor Benjamin Mazar. He supported Mr. Mazar's archaeological excavations from 1968 until, uh, well, until that dig ended in 1976. They continued to work together some after that as well, I believe. And these two men had a lot in common. Here's what it says in our free booklet, A Warm Friend of Israel, on page 11. You can get a free copy of this book at, at thetrumpet.com, or this booklet, I should say. A Warm Friend of Israel, page 11. Both were straight-talking and uncompromising. Both were interested in taking the Bible and objectively proving the truth, whatever it might be rather than fitting it in with preconceived beliefs. Wow. Isn't that true science? Seeing where the facts lead, objectively analyzing all the evidence, even the claims of the Bible. Is it possible to match up the claims of the Bible with the science? Professor Mazar, Benjamin Mazar, believed that. Mr. Armstrong believed that. The Bible does give geographic hints for where to find certain artifacts. And it's amazing what these archaeologists can do if they just let the stones speak. You really ought to go over to armstronginstitute.org. A lot of awesome articles there. A podcast. The magazine, of course, Let the Stone Speak. And you can subscribe to it. You can read it on the website there. But the Bible and science do not have to be at war with each other. They do not have to be mutually exclusive. In fact, archaeology verifies what the Bible says. So often, even people who try to disprove the Bible using science end up accidentally proving it by their own discoveries. That's just the way it is. There are some incredible stories in the Bible that are backed up by archaeology. That's a major purpose of God's work, even to this day, being involved in archaeology, biblical archaeology, reinforcing the truth of the Bible, proving to the entire world that the Bible is a book of facts, a book that can be trusted. If it can be trusted to uncover artifacts, can it not be trusted in its other claims? Should we maybe give a closer look at the other claims of the Bible and see if those are true as well? So Mr. Armstrong did care a lot about Jerusalem. He saw the importance of working in Jerusalem through biblical archaeology, through programs that would support the children and teach children the way of peace. He cared about Jerusalem because he knew that God cares about Jerusalem. For the rest of his life, 
starting in 1968 and then going through 1986, as I said before, Mr. Armstrong met with every prime minister and president. As this booklet states as well, though, he also met with the poor and downtrodden. He met with the middle class. He could relate to the everyman, too. He wasn't an elitist who only spent his time with the leaders and the, the high class of society. Now, Mr. Armstrong really thought highly of Golda Meir. She was the first prime minister of Israel to open her door to Mr. Armstrong. They had a 45-minute meeting in 1971. Golda Meir told Mr. Armstrong that she knew all about Mr. Armstrong and his foundation contributing to the beautification of Jerusalem, to the pursuit of peace between the Jews and the Arabs. Mr. Armstrong said about Golda Meir, she is just an ordinary, plain, down-to-earth, unpretentious, homespun woman and mother. When speaking of the soldiers risking their lives for her country, this woman sees them through a mother's eyes. And he also said of Mrs. Mayer that she has the quality of greatness such as possessed by so very few, if any, men in public life today. And that is something your Bible talks about. That ideally, the men should lead a family. They should lead a nation. But when men are absent, when men fail to do that job, women are forced to step up. And that's exactly what Golda Meir did. Mr. Armstrong could see really precious qualities in these leaders. They might not have known all that Mr. Armstrong did about the Bible and about the future of their own holy city, Jerusalem. But they still desired world peace. And they cared about what Mr. Armstrong had to say about it. Mr. Armstrong met with Menachem Begin, who actually interrupted another meeting to go visit Mr. Armstrong. And he told Mr. Armstrong, I would get out of bed at two in the morning to see you. Isn't that astounding? Why? Why did all these world leaders crave time with Mr. Armstrong? Why did they care so much about the solutions that he presented? Why did they, why did they want to hear his viewpoint on world peace? Well, Mr. Armstrong spoke on behalf of God. He spoke the truth of the Bible. And what he said was undeniable. These leaders could see. He gave them vision of a time when the whole world would rejoice. Nations would not be trying to wipe each other off the map. There would not be hatred between religions and races and ethnicities. A time when children would play together in peace and not be taught by their parents and their religious leaders to hate each other. That sadly is so common today. 
different religions and factions, brainwashing young children to hate. And hateful children grow up into deadly adults so much of the time. We can see that even with our problem in the U.S. with mass shootings. Children become a certain way because they are taught a certain way. Mr. Armstrong knew the importance of family and how family makes strong nations, strong families, fulfilling their roles, creates strong nations. Mr. Armstrong worked with Anwar Sadat, the president of Egypt. President Sadat had a plan to build an international peace center at the base of Mount Sinai. This peace center would have a mosque, a synagogue, and church all standing next to each other. Peace between religions. Now, that doesn't really seem realistic, knowing what we know about the strife between religions, the deadliness of religious conflicts throughout history. But this goal by President Sadat was so admirable that Mr. Armstrong supported it. We have another booklet, The Way of Peace Restored Momentarily. You can get that for free at thetrumpet.com as well that goes into a lot more detail about this peace plan. But Mr. Armstrong saw that President Sadat was trying to break away from this downward pull, this, this hatred that so many of the Muslims had for the Jews. He wanted to lead his nation into peace with Israel. He wanted to be a contributor to peace in the Middle East. Now, Mr. Armstrong knew that human efforts would fail. He understood that humans cannot bring about peace. And do you know why that is? Well, the problem, the, our lack of world peace is a spiritual problem. We cannot address a spiritual problem with physical solutions. Building a building or a peace center is not how peace will come. But it is a remarkable step by a Muslim leader to reach out to the Jews. The real solution, though, as Mr. Armstrong taught, is a change of mind. A change of heart. Children being taught the way of peace and growing up to produce it. In the world today, it's simply impossible for all children to be taught the way of peace. Inevitably, some of them will be taught to hate. And as long as there are children who grow up to hate then there will be violence and war in this world. Someone has to come along, a strong hand from some place, 
to enforce the way of peace, to ensure that all children are educated in the way of peace. But Mr. Armstrong always supported the the efforts of these leaders who wanted to bring peace. He was inspired by that. There was so much about God's master plan that these leaders did not know, and yet they still wanted, they longed for it, they yearned for world peace. Mr. Armstrong said to President Sadat, I want to say one thing right straight from the heart. I respect and admire you more than I can tell you because you have risked everything in an effort for peace. Not many would do that. I meet heads of state all over the world, but I have not known one that would risk what you did. Now, it really did take a lot of risk for Anwar Sadat to try to reach out to the Jews. In fact, he was assassinated. That is really the end result of human beings trying to produce peace. Ultimately, we need a different solution. We need help from a spiritual source. And thankfully, that help is coming. But just think about why Mr. Armstrong was in Jerusalem. Archaeology, proving the Bible true. And and not just these stories of history, but what about the other statements that are made in the Bible that have nothing to do with history, with archaeology? What about the fact that the Bible is the instruction manual for all mankind and it tells us the way to world peace. Mr. Armstrong drew attention to the way to world peace. He delivered the gospel message around the world. Matthew 24, verse 14. That gospel message is the good news of the coming kingdom of God, which is the family of God. Mr. Armstrong focused on building families, even within Jerusalem. That city is called the city of peace, and yet right now it certainly is not the city of peace. It will be, but it is not yet. Mr. Armstrong wanted to give the city of peace a glimpse of actual peace through his humanitarian efforts there. And one day, that city will experience refreshing, rejuvenating calming peace rivers of living peace what a beautiful time it will be when children are taught to love and make peace with each other a time when jesus christ himself will ensure that we all experience peace that is really a big part of the legacy of god's work today through Mr. Flurry and the Philadelphia Church of God, being involved in Jerusalem. It's biblical archaeology, proving the Bible true, pointing people to the Bible, which reveals the way to peace. It talks about children laughing and playing with each other and having peace, being taught the way to peace, not just temporarily, but for all eternity. 
Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.